This is gonna be fucking fun. Revolution Brewing. I'm Pete. I'm Ryan. You are in the hole with Major League A-Holes presented by Revolution Brewing. We have our post-season show jam-packed with information, breaking news, thoughts, craziness. We have a World Series champion. We have some shit you couldn't make up uh, based on that. Uh, We've got uh, the shit show 3.0 commencing. Uh, the shit show to end all shit shows is beginning. We have some Cubs news. We have some sexual harassment from Pete over there. We have breaking Giants news, earth shattering Giants news. We'll get to in the second half of the show. We have big news for the fucking A's on two fronts. Uh, one is good news and one is definitely bad news. We've got some tiger shit to talk about breaking tiger shit news. We've got an. We've got got an asshole of the week and we have the return of aesthetics. So this might be a couple hour show. So buckle up. Sit back, relax and strap it down. Yeah. So let's go ahead and jump into the news. Now here's the news. It's the news. The big news. Oh, fuck, Scotty. That is good news. That is great news, man. Let's bring it all home as Major League Baseball presents this week. In baseball, we got the Braves. Yeah, who would have thunk Atlanta Braves win the World Series? This is their first World Series victory in 16 playoff appearances. That is that is a record. I'm not sure if you saw that, but yeah, they've been in the playoffs a lot and have not won the World Series since 1995. There but, were there there were all kinds of interesting little statistics and oh, facts yeah. that came out of that last game. Oh, the last game. Okay. I didn't watch a whole lot of the game. Uh, It was kind of a blowout before I even started to pay attention. And then there were other things going on that was did not capture my attention. I was kind of hoping for a game seven, though, just to get that little extra extra baseball as tonight, Wednesday night, November 3rd is the first night without baseball in quite some time. So we're going to record a fucking podcast instead. But yeah. Yeah, so the big stat I heard, and maybe maybe this was on your list, but the the Braves out homered the Astros eleven to two in the series, and that is the largest margin of home run leads in ever. It ties it with like a nineteen fifty six Yankees or something. But I think that that kind of is the stat that kind of sums up the series in a nutshell. Nutshell, it just yeah. I mean, the Braves just pummeled him to death, including Jorge Soler, former Cub, who's now the MVP of the World Series. Uh, yeah, so there's our and, little Cubs connection. And there's another Cubs connection. He is the only um, uh, farm system Cub player to ever hit a go-ahead home run in a World Series. That is a very specific stat that they that they did pull out because it's baseball. <laughs> yeah, they can get deep into that. They shit. they can get deep. They get really deep. So he, he's the only 
like genuine talent out of the organization that's ever hit a go-ahead home run in the World Series. Well, congratulations which, to Jorge. Which is amazing, not not because the Cubs or the Sox, like to hear that stat, neither one of them have had that many World Series appearances, but from trades and players going on to play for other organizations, you thought for sure, especially the Cubs are how many? They're like one of the oldest baseball teams, right? Uh, yeah, so like you would have thought, but yeah, that was weird. And then, of course, the Astros have the dubious honor of being also uh, in 2005. They were the last team to be shut out at home. Oh, uh, in, a, in a final in, game, in, in, in a clinching game. They, they hold the <laughs> last two brutal. now. Isn't that great? I, I love didn't even it. think about that. I fucking oh. love it. One nothing wow. in that final one in 05. So I guess this, you know, a, a loss for the Astros is a victory for truth, justice, and the American way. <laughs> Although, I mean, there's no one outside of Texas rooting for the Astros. But I mean, how many people are really rooting for the Braves? Just I guess they were as default over the yeah. Over the I mean, Astros, I, but... I, I didn't like. It. I kind of was like cool with the the Braves are kind of like an interesting story. There's like they were the only team ever to have a losing record at the All Star break or something. And, yeah, and, and win the World Series. I saw they had a point oh three chance to win the World Series back in like mid July. Yeah, which was I, yeah. I don't know how they calculate those things anyway, but it's a record. Yeah, that's a record. Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of I don't know. It's just it just it was. It wasn't as entertaining though as I thought it might be because the, I mean the Braves outside of like one game really just handled the series. Yeah, you know, there was the one real lopsided game, and you thought they were going to be trading lopsided victories back and forth. But I mean, I think the big question is something that's haunted Dusty and is his terrible managing of pitchers, and oh. you got to go all the way back to the ALDS and question. You're going back home for game five. If you don't clinch in Chicago, it's not that big of a deal because you'd have McKellar's a normal rest. In fact, probably an extra day rest because he had the day off in between. Well, no, not even. Well, he'd have uh, he'd be a normal normal rest. rest, Yeah, yeah, normal rest. Uh, Instead, he goes for the kill, pitches him early and he ends up injuring his arm. Yeah. Now, this is all speculation because we don't know. He could have injured his arm in game five, but you can't, I can't help but speculate. Well, is everything completely different from the Astros because he is such a shutdown pitcher and their only true shutdown pitcher? A trail, a long trail of mutilated pitcher arms follows Dusty Baker throughout his career. So, yes. Well, there might not be direct evidence to the McCullough situation. I mean, you, you have to speculate I mean, with, with with the mountain of evidence, the mountain of arms stacked up around Dusty Baker, who fails yet again to take advantage of his chance to win a World Series. But now the whole uh, topic du jour today was that Dusty's going to get into the Hall of Fame after losing the World Series again, which I thought was an odd time to be bringing that up. But they're probably right, just... <laughs> Just break, making the World Series this, this many times, and although he's failed every time and over a long span, um, I just thought it was strange that that would be the topic today. But 
whatever. I think the the biggest the biggest story happened in game one, and we're, we've completely buried the lead because we have a taco hero. Oh, true. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, top of the first, Ozzy Albies stole a base, so the world gets a free taco. We're recording this on Wednesday night. It's actually tomorrow. You might be listening to this on a Thursday. That would be Thursday, November 4th. Taco Bell is giving a free Doritos Locos taco to anyone that wants one. <laughs> so thank you, Ozzy Albies. Uh, I'm, I, I don't, do you ever go to Taco Bell? I haven't been to Taco yeah, Bell. Yeah, you know, years, my, ki- my kids like to have it. So I like Taco I, I Bell. I just I, would never think to go there. I, I've never attempted to go for the free Doritos Locos Taco or whatever, whatever taco they were giving the it. Block. I can only imagine how stupid it is for one free taco, though. That that that's the thing. It's one free taco. Is it really worth waiting twenty five minutes for your Taco Bell for one free taco? I don't think so. Yes, yes, this is America. <laughs> yes, yes, I've got a free taco. Um, the other interesting yeah. stat I got. From game one, uh, there's other things that happen in game one we need to talk about. But uh, Jorge Soler, the aforementioned, let off the game with a home run. And yeah, I heard a lot of people, historic moment. Yeah, I heard a lot of people misquote this, actually, and say it was the first first World Series leadoff home run. And I guess technically it is. It's the first game one of the World Series leadoff home run. But as we all know, five years ago, as of last night, uh, Dexter Fowler hit a leadoff home run in game seven of the 2016 World Series, eventually leading to the Cubs clinching in extra innings. But but so, yeah, I guess he let technically Jorge let off the whole World Series with yes. a home run, which hasn't happened right. before. But so I wanted to clear that up. I mean, that's why I have this pulpit, my bully pulpit to clear little things up like that. But. That was one of his three home runs through the series, which actually out homered the entire Houston Astros as they only had two, like we mentioned. So again, congrats to Jorge Soler as everything comes back to the Cubs somehow. But uh, the other thing is Charlie Morton broke his goddamn leg in game. Yeah. Oh, got he got two strikeouts in a line out while he had a broken leg. Yeah, (laughs) it's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, maybe he should be the MVP. Jesus Christ. (laughs) I guess there's some... tape that shit up and get back out there. <laughs> there was some, <laughs> there was some, a dis- maybe a bit of a discrepancy that they're not sure that it was actually broken, but the, the blow to his leg on a, on a comeback or uh, from a ball crashing into his tibia, fibula. One yeah. Of those. Yeah. Fibula. I think it was. Um, I think it, I think they're saying it, it may have started the break and then it actually broke when he was like kind of, fell apart on the mound after the after getting those guys out so still a hero in my mind so we've got a lot of heroes on on the brave side i guess so uh do you have any other thoughts about the world series or should we start talking about things going around on around the world series i think we should move into things going on around the world series i mean obviously just like i said i already said i mean it was okay yeah it wasn't yeah, I don't. I don't like shitting on the World Series because it's baseball is my favorite fucking thing. But this was not the most compelling matchup. So, and games were. I'm now in the Eastern Time Zone, which like I'm. I'm going to complain about forever since living in the Central Time Zone for 25 years was great. You don't know how good you have it because uh, 
the I average. That's why I don't. That's why I don't leave. Yeah, the average end time for <clears throat> all World Series games was like eleven forty eight p.m. Eastern. So it's just fucking late. I mean, if you're trying to promote your game to the next generation to young kids, they're never going to see a World Series, which has been a complaint by old, <laughs> been a complaint like by old guys like us for decades. So I guess it's moot, but. Got to get those West Coast viewers in, I guess, before they uh, after they get home from work, I guess. I don't know how that works, but yeah, the uh, I want to get into early in this in the show. Normally we have shit you couldn't make up later, but I do have some shit you couldn't make up right now. Oh, you guys like to tell jokes and giggle and kid around. huh? What have we got here? A fucking comedian <laughs> for a turkey cemetery. Come on to the coast. We'll get together. Have a few laughs. The uh, always uh, spotlight hungry. How I don't know how to describe PETA, the People for Ethical Treatment. Vegetable hungry, I'll tell you that. Yeah, they're always looking for publicity, however they can get it. And they came up with a a bizarre uh, campaign, I guess you'd call it. Yeah, it was starting. They are trying to uh, right a wrong, a wrong done unto all cattle and bulls and cows and everything put into a pen on a farm as the pitcher's bullpen is suggested to be renamed the arm barn because apparently the bullpen offends cattle which is hilarious <laughs> um i have a i have a quick question for you and you can't answer it because you're not PETA, but do you think PETA's more offended and the cattle are more offended by the bullpen or the pepper jack cheeseburger I ate this evening. Ooh, don't tell them. Yeah, they're coming after you. You don't want that. You don't want that group coming after you. So keep. keep I'm just. I'm, I'm. I'm wondering. What, what, what you no think comment. Which, which I'm steering way clear of this one. The cattle. I'm steering clear. I'm backing off this controversy. Okay. Before fine. it even starts. Fine. Fine. Arm barn. Arm barn. The next day. I mean, Peta's. Peta's propaganda people their publicity stunt actually absolutely work because i that's all people could talk about on social media and every podcast i listened to the next day it was arm barn and i think it's kind of funny actually it's not i mean i, I don't have i'm not gonna i'm not gonna die in my sword for the word bullpen but <laughs> arm barn it just sounds funny uh has a ring to it so people are kind of in on it i'm not sure those people have ever been to urban dictionary and this is this is the best part of this shit you couldn't make up. Because if you happen to know anything about Urban Dictionary, it's a rather vulgar place that comes up. It is. With uh, bizarre terms for bizarre things. But Armbarn has actually been on the books for quite some time at Urban Dictionary. So this is not a new thing. But apparently an armbarn is another word for sticking your arm up someone's ass. Oh, me. I don't know if if PETA was fully aware of this. And so that was a double joke on everyone or what's happening. But the idea that everyone for a few days, at least, was starting to use the term arm barn quite openly is fucking hilarious on many levels to me. So, wow. Yeah. Good. Fantastic job, PETA. We'll see if this arm barn sticks around for another year. Yeah, let's maybe hope not. Um, we we might have a long off season to to contemplate that, so that might work yeah, against true. Armbarn that, catching on. Um, Armbarn could be one of the talking points and things that 
that suspend the start of the season in negotiations. Yeah. Well, let's get off. Let's we we need to move move quickly away from arm barns, and that does segue us well into our next segment about the shit show 3.0. Oh yeah, uh, here we go. Shit show 1.0 for just to catch catch everyone up over the last two years. What we've been calling the shit show 1.0 was before the. COVID shortened season, uh, the disgusting negotiations between the players and the owners just trying to get a season going. And their number one concern was obviously money as it was a battle of millionaires versus billionaires shitting over each other, just eventually playing 60 games when it would have been very plausible to play much more than that. But that's neither here nor there. At least we got a season in. Show 2.0 started, of course, at the beginning of this this season, uh, 2021, where many of the issues were not resolved uh, in 2020 and basically going into the collective bargaining agreement uh, battle that is set to expire on December 1st of this year. Uh, ugliness ensued. Fortunately, we that didn't that wasn't nearly as ugly as shit show 1.0. Uh, we did get a normal season. Things worked out kind of, but there was serious acrimony between both sides. But that leads us to shit show 3.0, the re- the final battle, I guess, as we are officially entering less That's than a trilogy. One, yeah, less than one month to go before the current collective bargaining agreement expires. And we've already heard the opening salvos of that. Uh, actually the day before the world series started, it's been about a week and a half since we did a podcast. So some of this is a little bit old news, but I don't give a fuck. We need to talk about this. Uh, the AP associated press reported that there is little chance that there will be a, an agreement, uh, of on the new collective bargaining bargaining agreement and a lockout will ensue on December 2nd. Uh, after it expires on December 1st, as they have not reached an agreement, it just expires and that creates a lockout situation. And there was speculation in the article that this it is likely that the season will be delayed because of that. So very dire, dire news, uh, very speculative, if you ask me, um, one month away from, you know, before the season even ended. Um, it was strange that it, this report came out one day before the World Series started, um, as the whole world apparently was turning towards baseball, as uh, entities like PETA were happy to take advantage of the, the time where a lot of people people's eyes are paying attention to baseball. The same report comes out the day before, which I thought was odd timing, which just makes me think the vagueness, the the dire the dire report, the dire consequences of their of that report makes it seem like this is obviously one one side of this negotiating process. You know, just throwing some propaganda out there to put pressure on the other. And I think it's pretty fucking obvious that it's the owners doing this and Commissioner Rob Manfred specifically. And in fact, I think from this day forward. We cannot call him Commissioner Rob Manfred. He is simply the owner's lawyer, Rob Manfred. <laughs> That's th- fair. And I, I've actually heard like legit podcasts, more legit than ours, far more legit than ours, like what? suggest no. that. Nothing's he does more not, legit than ours. <laughs> he does not. He never has. And he, it, the, the commissioners did used to always act in the best interest of baseball. But 
he is simply a mouthpiece for the owners and in yeah, fact, I, no doubt literally their their lawyer so to call him the commissioner of baseball is, is it's misleading because it, that is not his job his job is to litigate for the owners so i think on this podcast at least we just call him the owner's lawyer rob manfred so I, I have no doubt that that report was leaked to the Associated Press um, through the owners. Um, it was just a shitty way to start the World Series to have that come out. I don't, I don't know why that was. I mean, we all know that there's a, a strong possibility, but it was just made huge headlines. The, the other part of that story is that uh, the winter meetings now, which are a uh, they're usually the first week of December. So it'd be right yeah. around that same time. Yeah. Those are threatening to be canceled. They were canceled last year, but that was simply because of COVID. So now they're saying, you know, COVID might be a concern, but it's really, uh, you know, obviously this labor strife that is canceling the winter meetings, which is another, another bad harbinger of, of a, a shitty off season that is now upon oh. us. Um, you all right over there? Yeah. Some, I don't know what happened. The slideshow beside it. <laughs> Just it's shut a, off. It's a podcast. No one will see it. Yeah, yeah. All right. Continue on. Well, that's about all I have to say about this <laughs> shit show, unless you had thoughts or if you think I'm crazy about the owners leaking this shit or no, I think I think it's like you said, it's 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 de- definitely posturing. It's their ridiculous and childish way of trying to put pressures on pressure on the players association. Where anyone who's familiar with this situation, which it's a lot easier now than it was when we were growing up to really keep up with this because it's covered every media outlet, social media, everywhere. You can follow it. Um, but, you know, I, I think the biggest question I know on my mind is knowing that this is looming how much action are we going to see? Even let's just say, let's just say the, the, the meeting happens, the, the general, the, the meeting, uh, the winter meetings go on in the beginning of December. Let's just say it happens. Okay. Yeah. How much movement are we really going to see when no one really knows what the end result is going to be? Well, there's a misnomer about the winter meetings in general. That is, that happens to be where a lot of trades just happen just because general managers right. are there and it's easy to do. The vast majority of business that happens at the at the winter meetings is for the minor leagues. That That is much more a thing for the, the minor leagues to take advantage of. That It's a fun media event for baseball networks to cover. But the, all these meetings, like player movement or whatever that your know, trades whatever, that can that can happen anytime it's not no that. i know i mean yeah i know so, it can happen but, but like what so are whether we, that's canceled what are we or not see? it's more ceremonial if it was canceled but you, you're bringing up an, another good point though that like how much is actually going to happen uh before you know without without a clock or at least with uncertainty around the collective bargaining agreement what does happen legally is if there is no collective bargaining agreement as of midnight on december 1st Free agency is absolutely frozen. There can be no free agent signed until there is a collective bargaining agreement. So there could be free agent signings before December 1st, regardless. I don't think you're going to see a flurry of those just because of that uncertainty. It'd be, it'd be kind of crazy to do so. 
unless you your strategy is to jump the market and there's an opportunity to sign somebody and you don't give a fuck what the what the consequences might be yeah i mean it's your guy this might be an opportunity to to sign somebody where you might not have that opportunity otherwise so there that those are the two ways to look at it there could be nothing that happens before december 1st or there could be a lot that happens or shocking things that happen before december 1st so yeah, and I always think about like it seems like Han always likes to jump the market. Well, you know, he likes to get out and, and get in front of it. Yeah, and that was my first thought with all this looming. Like, where, where, where does the, the has their plan changed, or is it just going to be like, well, we got to do what we got to do? Well, we've got we got to we have to approach it until December first. Like, there's going to be a season next year. Yep. Which even well, whatever happens, there still will probably be. You hope there's some sort of season next year. You don't know what kind of playing field you're going to be on next year. Right. So that, that that's the risk. So yeah. So I don't know. The, it seems like Rickon's a bit risk averse. You know, on the on the other hand, so I'm not I'm not sure that the White Sox would be big players. And I think it would take a big a big deal, like a large money signing, to 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 do something like that in this in this four week span with such uncertainty that, you know, is a, is a, a player going to want to commit to something? I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm thinking about that backwards though, but you could be right. I think, I think every, nobody knows is, is what it comes down to. I think it's going to be a, a fascinating four weeks yeah. sprint, sprint to the deadline. Um, we did see a, a flurry of trades and retirements and everything else we're going to be talking about today specifically. Um, so there's a lot more action than than I was thinking would happen on a on a Wednesday in November. So we'll get we'll be getting more into that as it affects a lot of our teams that we cover here. So um, did you have any more on the shit show or the off no, season? I, th- I think we'll continue yeah. on that. That's going to be a weekly or every other week. However, we do this now that we've entered the off season. We're going to be is going to be our main topic, most likely outside of any movement from our teams or how it is affecting our team. So unfortunately, it's going to be fascinating and uh, very newsworthy anytime something happens with that. So we'll see how it goes. But uh, so, yeah, we kind of want to turn towards the north shots. Sorry, the north side of Chicago. Uh, there's a bit of news. It's a little bit old now again, since again we didn't do a podcast last week. But um, Jason McLeod, the senior vi- vice president of player personnel, I believe is his last, his final title with the Cubs, as he announced that, or it was revealed that he will be leaving the Cubs. And it was kind of strange how it was announced, and at least. Maybe I just didn't understand it, or maybe it was purposely a little nebulous, but it wasn't really talked about whether he was quitting or if he was being fired or what was going on, but his time will end and on the north side. So Jason is kind of a, a kind of a like a shadow character almost. Like you didn't you didn't ever hear from him. He was the third part of the trilogy of Theo Epstein, Jed Hoyer, and of course Jason McLeod. But you never saw his face much. You didn't see him in the news. He didn't interview much. That that was probably by design because I feel like he's he's been kind of a scapegoat for the failure of the Cubs because he you know he ran the player development throughout the his tenure with the Cubs for the last ten years and 
people point to how the pitching has never de- been developed and point to his poor draft picks. And I felt like he was kind of the whipping boy. And that may have been by design. That might be why he was never in the media being interviewed or speaking much. Um, so he's kind of, I guess he was just kind of a mysterious figure all along. He did recently, I guess you can't say he was demoted since he was promoted to senior vice president of player personnel in the last two years, I believe. But his, his he basically took, they took away his responsibility for the draft, which I, I could see why, but uh, yeah, he's, he's it's never all, a good sign. He's also responsible for drafting Chris Bryant, Kyle Schwarber, but also Albert Almora. Um, you could say anyone could could have drafted Chris Bryant, especially when they weren't even, if, if all truth be told, they were actually targeting Mark Appel with the number two pick that year. But Houston jumped them with the number one pick to get Mark Appel, who we've never heard from ever since. Uh, a pitching prospect that that flamed out, but could have could have used them. Chris Bryant fell into the Cubs lap, which we definitely used him and that worked out quite well. So yes. it's kind of a mixed bag, I guess, with McLeod. So it's, it's, it's just interesting. The, the other part of that whole story was the timing of it was kind of curious as we just heard days before that, that the Cubs hired new GM Carter Hawkins. Um, so it made me think, did McLeod think he was supposed to be promoted to GM instead of Carter Hawkins? Did he just up and quit as soon as that happened? Or another speculation, did Carter Hawkins first first day in the job say, we don't need this guy anymore. Let's let's get him out. You know, there, so it was just strange how it was reported and announced. And it seemed they, they tried to pass it off as a mutual pat, you know, parting of ways much the same way as when Joe Madden left, you know, that was, that was like a hug fest when he was getting fired essentially. And they were drinking wine together and thanking each other. And, you know, in, in subsequent years, you hear a little bit of acrimony coming from Joe's side and saying, you know, he never wanted to leave and, you know, which you can't blame him, but so I don't know. I just, I don't know if I, maybe I'm the only one that was looking for conspiracy theories in that story, but it just, it seemed a little odd to me, a tad askew, as you might say. Yeah. I mean, when I read that he was going, I had to like take a step back and remember who he was. Cause to your point, <laughs> yeah. he's, he, he's stayed, like Ringo star almost. Yeah. Like right. Forgotten beetle kind of stayed out of the limelight. Um, I think, I think one of you, I don't know which one it is. I think one of your theories is correct, but I think maybe Cutter Hawkins came in and said, yeah, he hit, he hit, he hit to your point. He hit some on the button, but then he had a lot of swings and misses and we need someone else or we need something new in this position or don't need it at all. I can, well, that's a thing. I can oversee this area. That's not necessarily for after for, you. After you remove from running the draft, like where do you go from there in the in a baseball organization? Like, right? What, what do you? I mean, maybe he was a lame duck from that moment on, and it just made the the timing made sense. My other, my final conspiracy theory is that the Cubs couldn't afford to pay his salary anymore after hiring, <laughs> after hiring yeah. a GM and suffering. Oh losses. God! Yes, so, yes, 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 yes. So you, you've got to get rid of those senior VPs. Yeah. Uh, that'll that'll look much better on the on the books. Yep, I think you're right. So I guess that's adios for Jason McLeod. Um, 
I would say it's nice, it was nice to know you, but I don't think anyone really knew you. So hopefully, hopefully that solves all the Cubs issues. Uh, we will be drafting incredibly from here on out under the under the tutelage of Carter Hawkins and his iron fisted regime. We'll <laughs> see. So, uh, so yeah, that's all I got for the Cubs this week. I think you have right. a special a, mystery sexual harassment. I have a sexual harassment. Ozzy Guillen on the line here on WSCR with Bob Brunley, Mike North, Fred Humner, Annie Mack. How you doing, Ozzy? Oh, shut that fuck up. And ball hit high and deep. Way back. Way back. And he not quite out of here. Dad, get it. The Meyer to mediocrity. Tell me about when you were being interviewed for the potential White Sox manager's job. I was drunk. you got to be bleak. And that, that is from is, is birth from the world series mm-hmm. from the playoffs. And I, it's, let me preface it like this. It's not a surprise that the teams that were in the playoffs are in the playoffs. And it's not a surprise that the Braves were playing the Astros in the world series. And one of the reasons it's not a surprise is both teams were top 10 in fielding as into oh. runs saved. Yeah. And run saved is a big deal. It, it leads to a lot of different statistics. Uh, it's, it's uh, helps your pitchers out a lot with run saved, keeps those ERAs down. Um, and when I looked at the numbers, you know, I, I have, I had expressed this. I knew the Sox were not doing well in fielding this year. And that was one of my huge disappointments of, of Tony La Russa coming in. Cause I thought he was going to, have that Ozzie Gein fielding iron fist thing. Cause he obviously knows how important defense is. And in fact, that was always a trademark of like those St. Louis teams. They mm-hmm. played pretty freaking flawless defense out there. Well, it became more disturbing that in the shortened, now it's a shortened, it's the asterisk season. The Sox, under the tutelage of one Rick Renteria, were the third best team oh, in wow. runs saved in 2019. 2020. In, uh, 2020, sorry. In 2021, they were the 28th best team. The, the defense was negative 40. Wow. Now... You we can see a, that cost you in the ALDS specifically. Yes, we, we cited yes. that after the series. So it needs to get cleaned up. And, yeah. and the fact of the matter is, how good are our pitchers? Because we have the, huh. we're in the top. We have three pitchers in the top ten in ERA with one of the worst fielding teams out there. Could yeah. you imagine what what the team would look like if they were playing solid defense? It would be insane. Well, so, as, as everything yeah, always comes back to the Cubs somehow, I mean, that is under under talked about part of the 2016 series champion. Their, their defense was by far the best in Major League Baseball. It, it was it was may have been the best of all time in some statistics. So yeah, you hear some people number talk one about in that, 2005, but, too, in defense. Yeah. So that is and just, you know, continue that point like you said to this world series those are two of the best defensive teams in baseball that got there so it is something that needs to be talked about and talked about and talked about as a key factor in in success especially especially in the postseason so that is yeah that is that is jarring um it's interesting i was gonna say maybe 
maybe Larusa just doesn't have enough to work with with the roster he's been given. Well, but no, and like that, you said, and that, that with the Renteria quote, I mean, you yeah. could say that's a that's a small sample size, but still, over sixty games that he was able to put together a defense that was beyond respectable. Uh, you'd think Tony Larusa would be able to figure it out. Yeah, I, you would think, and you know it. What, all these, you know, we got we got to get someone out in right field. Well, the names that everyone wants in right field are not going to help our defense. Yeah, and it's offense. It's offense, folks. We don't really need. We already have it. So, get your heads out of your fucking asses. <laughs> and if you're gonna if you're gonna bring someone in to play right field, it it there there has to be a defensive plus side to it too. And that really does not exist, as I've been saying, does not really exist in this free agent class. Nick Castellanos. If he, you know, <laughs> is not going to upgrade our defense. He's going know? back to the north side anyway. No, he, well, he might. That. He might be. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Good. He's and not going to help your defense though. He's not going to help my defense. Kyle Schwarber is not going to help my defense. So, Definitely not. So let's move on and focus on on some shit that matters. What could help our defense? Talking Tim Anderson. Although Timmy played a pretty flawless shortstop up until the injury and coming back. That's what's funny about this. Tim had one of his best defensive years ever, probably his best. And they had the worst without him. Who the fuck knows where that number would have yeah. been at. But do you get Tim to move over to second and and, and, and get uh, a premier shortstop in there? Oh. Or does or does the the spark plug and annoying Javi Baez come over and, and, <laughs> and play second or something? I don't know. I heard that but, speculation today. But actually. there needs it, you need to get someone along in the middle if infield with Tim, and whether whether that requires him to move to second or whatever, you gotta sure that shit up right away. Well, that was a fantastic sexual harassment right there. It's about time. It's been a while. Yeah, I know. Uh well, I think with that, should we take a break here? Yeah, let's or take you- a break. All right, well, let's take a break here on the Wordhole Media Network. Wordhole Media. If you were two and seven, you'd be in a bad mood, too. Well, he has trouble with the snap, and the ball is free. And oh, he hits the upright again. That's impossible. Get your mouth shut. Get your mouth shut. Jerk. The Bears season's going to end on a double doink. If worms had machine guns, then birds wouldn't be scared of them. The Limp Dickens Podcast. Just a couple of Chicago pricks united by our hatred of the University of Michigan football and the Chicago Bears. Find us at LimpDickens.com and anywhere you listen to podcasts. All right, welcome back to Wordhole Media's In the Hole, and we got a bit of breaking news not long before going on the air this evening. Yeah. Um, uh, one of shocking the things, news, shocking news. Of what, especially after the year he had, Buster Posey is. Uh, I guess it's still rumored um, to be announcing his retirement tomorrow. Wow, which. He was just in an article I read as a questionable would the would the Giants pick up his $22 million option? I'm gonna go with no, uh, because he's retiring. Um I think that's he kind of actually that's a great question. Do you think they would have if they didn't if he didn't retire? I think they would have. Maybe. I mean, they've got Joey Bart 
sitting right there. It's his mm-hmm. time now. Maybe but, next year's his time. But uh, or you know, twenty twenty three. I I like. I think I like. I like what Posey's doing. He's going the Mike Musina route. Why risk? If you, you had one of your best seasons after having mm. some mediocrity, which was the same thing that happened with Messina, and yeah. he's just going to go out on top. Is, is a World Series win? No, but, you know, maybe they talked to him too. Maybe they said, you know, I don't know if your $22 million option fits with our plans. So, and he has no desire to play anywhere else. So, yeah, that, yeah. that's interesting. Maybe they, they just worked it out that way, and maybe he's getting some cash on the back end somehow under the table. Yeah. That, that Shit, they that might out. just they might even be bringing him in as a coach right away. I mean, I could see that. That's a great, great theory. Why? Yeah, how could he not be part of the organization going forward? Maybe yeah. maybe his new salary is to not talk about this under <laughs> – under the table deal and he's just getting paid outrageously to be a hitting coach or a catching coach or whatever it is. But yeah, that'll, that'll be interesting. But yeah, I was, I was surprised to hear he'd be essentially walking away from $22 million surprised again, like, as you pointed out that he had his best year in what, five years at least, isn't it? I mean, he was incredible. Crazy. He was the best player on my fantasy team for a while until that flamed out. But uh, you got to think, you know, the, the years, are never kind to catchers. So he's probably pretty broken down. Um, interesting, really fascinating career. Um, there's a lot of speculation tonight about whether he's a hall of famer or not. And there's, there's an obvious argument to put him in with, you know, seven time all-star, how many times he's a gold glove, uh, former MVP, former batting champ, you know, a catcher doing those things you'd think would put him in the, Three rings. Yeah, three rings, of course, which I don't like to speak of two of those or at least one of them. Um, I guess the arguments against is he's only got like 1,500 hits over his career and he's only got like 150 something home runs, which is, I mean, out of a, that's a pretty small number, but still, I mean, you you add up everything else on the other side. I think, I mean, I know you're biased. You've got to assume he's, uh, I'm assuming you you think he's a Hall of Famer, no doubt, but. Again, like I just, I base it on some of the other Hall of Famers. I think yeah. he kind of is a Hall of Famer, at least at that position. Yep. Um, I wouldn't put him in a Hall of Fame with all those same. If you left all the numbers the same, and he played like first base or something, or yeah, the outfield, like you know, he's not in the Hall of Fame, but um, I, I think he is. I, I think he'll get, I think he'll get in because the media loved him, so yeah. he's probably due to get in. I mean. Cause we all know it's not always on credentials. So, <laughs> um, but I think he has enough on his resume and, and it's, it's, it's unfortunate that Harold Baines made it to the hall of fame. You can always just say, well, Harold Baines is in the hall of fame. You can thank Jerry yeah. Reinsdorf. For that. <laughs> that is the only reason he's in the hall of fame. I think Bob Nightingale had something to do with it. <laughs> Bob Nightingale has zero power. And, and wait, that. speaking of that quick news flash, there's oh, not, no. we have not signed, uh, we have not signed Craig. We've not picked up Craig Kimbrell's option yet. Or Eduardo Escobar is not on the White Sox yet. So (laughs) speaking of Bob Nightingale, but yeah, yeah, it's, it, it does though. I mean, the giants weren't going in hurting for money and I don't want to dwell on this because we're going to spend more time on all this uh, in future episodes. And we have uh, a decent amount to get through still, but this answers a big question. It's actually a $22 million question. Yeah. That's starting pitching right there. Mm -hmm. And, and we know 
just real quick, I, I they're they're interested in bringing a lot of those guys back on like multi-year deals, but there's also a lot of speculation on them making some sort of trade for a top end pitcher. So, wow. Maybe they probably didn't know the potent. We didn't know the posy news when all this was going on the other day. Okay. So I now sure bet they did. Now you, you wonder, you know, was, that sure frees up enough money to get Chris Bryant back for a couple of years too. So, mm, you know, if, we'll see if, if, if he's it. Yeah. He wants to return. Yeah. I mean, he said he did, but are you going to say you don't want to return in the middle of the fucking playoffs with the yeah, best would, record in baseball? Yeah. Eh, I don't know. He's, you can say a lot of things about Chris Bryant. He's not an idiot. No, he's a professional. He's like, he's a professional. Eh, eh, I don't know. <laughs> I like the garlic fries. Those are fantastic. They are fantastic. That's why I brought it up. Okay. Right. So, so that's, nice uh, that's, that's, that's all I got for the Giants tonight. I have a bunch of notes going forward for when we start oh, digging into. Can't into, wait for that. Into the, into the belly of the beast of the off season, but the post post season, the post post season. Yes. So, well, I'd like to move over to the other side of the bay and have some talk about my fucking A's. I mean, he's the kind of guy who walks into a room, his dick has already been there for two minutes. Today, I'm the greatest of all time. Thank you. Holy Toledo! I'm just saying, girlfriend is a six at best. Fucking A. Ooh, they are actually maybe going to stay. Well, there's a lot of news surrounding the A's. Surprisingly, I hadn't, hadn't had much to talk about in them in recent weeks, but suddenly there's a burst of news as first of which, as you mentioned, the there's some good news on the front of getting a new stadium there in Oakland, which I had and many had all but given up hope for uh, as in, you know, local politics uh, municipal, county, state politics were all getting <laughs> intertwined and really messy in trying to get a $12 billion development plan in place uh, that included this baseball stadium as many other things as has been recklessly misreported. It's not a $12 billion stadium, people. It's a part of a development plan that includes a baseball stadium and uh, several housing developments, uh, all sorts of stuff, redevelopment of a, of a wharf essentially that's hasn't been used. Um, maybe I'm misreporting that part too, but it's not a $12 billion. <laughs> stadium. Let's, let's get that. Let's get that straight. But it, it's such a confusing story because the politics are so fucked up in it. What were you saying? I was just saying, I just want to make something clear on this podcast. Smitty and I are not real estate experts, nor <laughs> do we have any inside information on wharf deals going down on the yes. West Coast. Yeah. So just wanted to get that out there. We're just, we, we, we're not claiming to be experts. Okay, go ahead, Ryan. Right. Well, Take it away, Smitty. the big news was that a Alameda County board of some bullshit uh, voted four to one to move forward with that $12 billion development plan, which was not expected. Uh, apparently or maybe it, it was bizarre because when i was reading about it it sounded, it sounded like it was expected and in fact the only guy that voted against it said he said publicly that he was for it so i don't understand what the fuck california politics is it makes no sense but that that was being viewed as a very unlikely and very positive step forward in this process so after everything was pointing to the the a's moving most likely to las vegas 
it seems like there is some kind of hope now. Um, I don't know. I don't know what this means. There's conflicting reports, conflicting opinions. The, the, the reports are confusing. The politics are confusing. There's a lot of money involved. It just seemed like all of a sudden last week, out of nowhere, there is some optimism. There could be a, could be a stadium there, which I'm happy for my Oakland friends. Um, frankly, as, a, as an outsider, I'm here in Lansing, Michigan. It doesn't really matter where, where the A's play. Um, to me, I think it'd be kind of interesting. Either way, I want to see him play in a new stadium. I think it'd be, I mean, we know the Coliseum is a complete shithole that needs to be torn down, that no one should be forced to play baseball in. So get a new stadium in Oakland. If that yeah. can't work, go to a new stadium in Vegas or Portland or wherever the fuck it has to be. I'm, I'm tired of seeing the A's play in that shithole. So let's figure this out. Uh, take this for a positive, I guess. But I, I, I fear that this is just dragging on the inevitable exodus uh, of you know just mixed messages, uh, acrimony between the team, the city, the county, the state. It just has, it's just been going on for decades now. So I, I guess I'll, my overarching thought is I'll believe it when I see it, when they, when they actually have a signed deal. Right. The other part of that reporting was it said it was a non-binding vote. So it was almost like a, it was a ceremonial vote. So just to keep, to keep this alive somehow. So it might not mean anything. So it was reported as like, Oh my God, they're, they're going to get a stadium done. And it just, that does not feel like the reality, but. I guess we'll see. The other big news coming out of Oakland was shocking to me that Bob Melvin under contract with the Oakland A's is now the manager of your San Diego Padres just out of the blue. <laughs> there was no news. The only news I heard about the, the Padres job was that Ozzie Guillen, former White Sox manager, was interviewing for it. I had no idea Bob Melvin was looking for a job considering he had a job that pays him $4 million a year. Uh, he has been the A's manager for 11 years. He's been three times manager of the year with the A's, uh, getting paid a handsome salary. You'd think uh, that that sounds like a regular job to me. Uh, he just takes another job and the A's requested zero compensation for that. Uh, just like with players, players, managers can be traded um, or there can be a monetary considerations or something can happen. The A's ask for nothing. And that is embarrassing. It, what that amounts to is the A's do not want to pay their manager $4 million. That, that's all this is. It's a salary right. dump of your manager who has done nothing but yeoman's work with a, an always challenged roster um it's disgusting and i think a's fans should be outraged that number one you lose your manager but then you don't ask for anything in return how can you not get you know some kind of level high low mid-level whatever prospect out of this how can you not profit off of this in any way so it is a bizarre bizarre story it, it's strange enough for another team to hire a manager out from underneath them but to have to give no compensation for it is is outrageous so I mean, you get the fairly the kind of weird good news that the A's might be staying, and then you have your ownership sending a clear signal that you are dumping salary this year. You're dumping your manager. Most likely they're dumping all their players, Olsen, you know, everybody that has, you know, even their 
I think their highest paid player might have been Olsen at like or Chapman at like twelve and a half million dollars. So in the grand scheme of things, those aren't big contracts. Those are they're going to jettison all those players. The the I mean the major the rest of the majors are going to be coming at them like jackals looking at their pitching staff, especially especially like Chris Bassett or Sean Manaya that, that I've already seen yeah. lots of speculation who might be going after those guys because it just seems like could be the a rest reunion of the league, for Chris Bassett. They could. It just looks like there's going to be a, f- a feeding frenzy. So I have no idea what you're talking about with a reunion. What, what do you mean? He was drafted by the White Sox. I'm sorry, I had no idea. I was not aware of the, the White Sox drafted in what 2014, whenever that was. But yes, uh, could be a reunion. Yes, uh, I don't think he has much salary, so they'll they'll probably take. Considering they took nothing to give away their manager, you could probably get Chris Bassett for next to nothing as well. So. Although I'm sure he's haunted uh, anytime he hears the White Sox name as you guys broke his face into many pieces. So but now we won't sure. break it because he's be on our team. So he's got to deal with, for him. <laughs> he's got to deal with batting practice so, or no, he's he'll, he'll be in the field now, but <laughs> um, you know, just real quick on San Diego. When I yeah. saw that Ozzy interviewed for San Diego, it, it made me laugh out loud and here's why. Every West Coast manager has sort of like a style, right? They're uh, once the Tony Las, once Tony Lasorda left, the the fiery manager on the West Coast went with him. Mm. They're all kind of more even keeled guys. They don't they don't get too upset about anything. Like occasionally they'll go out and argue something, but it's it's very chill. And I saw the Ozzy interview and I said, he doesn't, they're just interviewing him to say they interviewed, you know, they interviewed enough people for the job, which was one, I believe. I don't, I I hadn't heard about it. I didn't didn't follow closely. And then Bob Melvin got hired. Yeah. And when Bob Melvin got hired, I just said, I'm not surprised other than the fact that he was under contract because he's got the West Coast high. I actually was going to speculate when we were a damn good manager too. Yeah. Yeah. And I was going to speculate that they would, when we were going to do the show last week, cause it would have been before this announcement. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that they were going to probably, probably talk to Bochi too. Cause I every, heard, I heard he might've been in the mix, but yeah, yeah. you know, Hey, you want to come out of retirement? Get, get this team in the right I think direction. That was speculation that he might be in the mix. I don't. I didn't hear it was reported that he actually interviewed. So I, no, I, I don't think he interviewed. But I'm saying I, I would have seen him because I remember when he was asked about the White Sox job, he said, mm. I, "I mean, I'd have to see what 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 the deal is." But you can never say never to something, yeah. you know. Yeah, it so, sounds like he wants he wants to keep keep managing someplace if the right opportunity comes up. Yeah. But. So so yeah. So I mean the the. It just seemed outside of the weirdness from the A side of things. It seemed like a typical hire that they would do. Yeah. Well, there is even more breaking news today uh, that affects, affects our particular podcast as my Detroit Tigers made a blockbuster trade. Uh, not so much, but uh, <laughs> Alavila, as we like to call him, Sleepy Alavila, was anything but as he oh, is wheeling yeah. and dealing mere hours after the World Series ended. And Again. Crossed one major item off of his three three checklist, uh, three item checklist. Uh, he has openly spoken about they wanted to get a catcher, a starting pitcher, 
and a shortstop of which the second two make more sense, but he crossed off the first one. He got his, he got himself a veteran catcher by trading for the Reds, Tucker Barnard, a uh, 30 year old, uh, been with the, the Reds his whole career. He's a 250 career hitter, uh, 345. What's that? 248. Sorry. Well, I'm rounding. <laughs> well, <Dickhead>. <laughs> <laughs> He's a 325, probably 324 OBP for his career, around 700 OPS. It is 324, actually. What is his OPS? I'm saying 700, but it's 690 something. 696. His OPS plus lifetime is 83. I think you meant Al had his checklist mediocre veteran catcher. Well, he's he's not necessarily our obviously not our catcher of the future as we have catching prospects coming through, but he wanted to get a catcher, and that that is his his is okay catcher. He is known for his defense. He's above average. Uh, in fact, he's led the league at times in uh, throwing out runners at second. So this is a defensive uh, defensive catcher for sure, um, especially getting a 30-year-old catcher. You're not looking at the future. You're just trying to bolster sure. your depth there. So uh, the funny part of the trade is he traded away third base prospect who I'd never heard of, Nick Quintana. And I'm <laughs> always happy to trade away a Quintana. Uh, apparently, uh... he is a second-round draft pick from 2019 that is can't even hit in low-A baseball. Um, kind of a, a prospect at one point that is completely flamed out that the, the Reds were happy to take. So, uh, again, with my experience with Quintanas, I'm, I'm more than happy to let one go uh, if that fulfills a need. Uh, he does have a 7.5, sorry, uh, Barnhart does have a $7.5 million option this year. So that's what the Cubs will be, or the Tigers will be picking up. Um, that's eerily reminiscent of the, I believe it was $6 million that they signed free agent Wilson Ramos for going into last year. And they released him after about a month and a half, but Ramos wasn't hitting, although he led the team in home runs in the first couple weeks of the season, but. He flamed out quickly. His his major issue is he's potentially the worst pitch framer uh, I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Ramos would catch the ball in the zone and would immediately like pull the ball into the ground. So it had the opposite effect of, of what you needed from a, a pitch framer. Barnhart is is known for his excellent pitch framing too. So he, he's definitely a defensive defensive catcher. Um I'm gonna say average for uh offensively for a catcher. So they're not look. They're not. They didn't trade for him for his for his offensive potential. But he's a placeholder. Al thought he needed him. Al was wide awake and picked him up immediately. So he pounced. Oh, so I like I like the action out of Alavila. He's, he looks serious about 2022. Um, I'm more interested in what he does at starting pitcher and especially shortstop, as we have speculated all summer on what what could be happening for Detroit there. But alas, I believe we are going to have to wait until this new collective bargaining agreement is signed, or maybe, maybe he'll be one of those aggressive GMs that tries to take a take a shot before those the real uh, bargaining agreement is even understood. The, what the playing ground is going to be, and maybe can find a way to take an take advantage of a of an opportunity and sign somebody early. But we'll find out. But for right now, I'm I'm going to say nice job, Al, and please stay awake for this off season. Uh, I think that leads us uh, still within the AL Central, but yes. leads us to our asshole of the week. 
What is your problem? You insensitive asshole. Pardon my French, but you're an asshole. Who the fuck is this asshole? Am I wrong? You're not wrong, Walter. You're just an asshole. Okay, then. Yeah, the, um, we, we never made them assholes. We just kind of made fun of the whole thing. But uh, we are, and uh, I'm trying we're, to think how to frame this Cleveland best. Gladiators, we're the Cleveland Gladiators, if you're wondering the, what the Cleveland you're yammering about. <laughs> the Cleveland Guardians, I couldn't get, I couldn't get the words out of my mouth. Um, you know, there'd been this. Cleveland Guardians roller derby team. We talked about. I don't remember. We, here. we did. We did. We did. We well, talked about it I didn't remember that at all. I I just remember it sounded like an arena football team to me. Um, I was everyone was underwhelmed by the name. Uh, the logo was horrific. It was part of an aesthetics segment, which we we're coming up to after this. But uh, that that's so the main don't part. Go I didn't, anywhere. I didn't. Rem- yeah, <laughs> stay tuned. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember the roller derby aspect coming out, but I guess I'm not too surprised. But yeah, yeah, we we did, we touched upon it because okay. we had said this could lead to problems down the road. Well, <laughs> it, it it has because uh, the roller derby team has been using uh, the name for very very long time i think it's uh, since 2012 or 13 maybe yeah yeah so they own the eight, domain eight. name clevelandgladiators.com they've been using yeah. the name they're claiming uh in their lawsuit filed Into- last week that uh they have common law yes. ownership of the name which which is kind they- of a sh- is that kind of a shaky legal term we're not lawyers uh, i don't know i don't know <laughs> sounds it, strong I, I think it i think it it, it'll have some merit. It, it'll be what is what, what is the buyout that gets the Guardians Absolutely. out of this? Well, but, I know what the buyout is not because the Cleveland baseball team, the version of the Guardians, um, it's confusing now. Who are we referring to? The, the roller derby team or the baseball team? Which is is why we're making them assholes if there's even this confusion. But the baseball team offered the roller derby team a total of $8,300 to buy their name from them, buy the the uh, domain name, all the social media handles, and <laughs> seemed like a paltry sum for a $1.1 billion business uh, to only offer $8,300 to... <laughs> To this roller derby team, who would glad I'm sure would gladly change their name if they felt they were being treated properly, but this billion dollar company just comes in and takes their name away from them and, and throws a couple dollar bills at them and tells them get, get, just go away. And you kind of can't blame them for throwing a stink now and now filing this lawsuit saying their business, whatever you know, as small as it is, is ruined now because the quote was something about my clients. Uh, you know, they would normally be fielding phone calls and taking emails, you know, how to get tickets to their their small events to keep keep their entity going. But now they're taking calls about who's going to be pitching in the bullpen this week because everyone thinks they're a baseball team and they are not. So it's just a bizarre situation that the the Indians could have easily handled just by being a responsible business, you know, doing their due diligence. Clearly, they knew about this. Uh, it sounds like they didn't know about it till late in the in the process of changing their fucking mediocre name. Um, 
that we criticized originally. Uh, but then to just, you know, to try, throw some change at, at the people that, you know, you're, you're stealing from essentially is, is disgusting. So I don't know. Did you have other details that I, yeah. So, um, when we originally started talking about this segment, I, uh, went into my investigative journalism mode and was oh. looking for an, an actual name because there's someone who was leading this operation. And the name that I keep coming across is Brian Barron, business operations, the, the head of business operations. At, for the baseball team? For the baseball team. Okay. And he seems to be the one who led this team that, per its release, in, went through a must-long process that included 140 hours of interviews with fans, community leaders, and front office personnel, surveying 40,000 fans, conducting 100-plus hours of teammate brainstorming sessions, and generating 1,198 name options. And this is what which, they settled on. Which, which, which... That's a very large number, which you would think you'd be able to find another name other than the Guardians. <laughs> yes. To name your team after, because a uh, which was, I'm excuse me, I just let me just finish this, which was narrowed down through 14 rounds of vetting. Whoa. You're telling me over all that time, no one searched a domain name. Yeah. No one. And like you said, according to the the way it was stated, it was like it happened very late, and it, it was makes in June it sound... before their Ju July announcement that they made yeah. the offer finally. So yeah, that, that's incredibly late in such a massive marketing project. It was almost as if they knew about it and were kind of like, "Well, they're not going to do anything." Yeah, that that's what I'm saying. They just threw. They just thought they could throw some dollar bills at a bum and have them go away, and that's just. That is not the case. Yeah, I mean, I, you I, you you insulted them. Yeah, I, I I've never I haven't seen roller derby since I was a kid. It used to be on ESPN from time to time. Uh, I I think I've had some friends that are on roller derby yeah, teams I've in had Chicago, the Windy yeah, City Rollers or something. Yeah. But uh, so th those are hobbyists having fun on a weekend. You know, they they did their they're trying to build a little following. You know, they bought a domain name. They they've got a their logo isn't great, but it's equally as good as the, the baseball team's shitty new logo. Um, it's a fun, it's like an independent thing that, that a billion dollar corporation just tried to walk into and just take, take from them. And it's just, it's ridiculous. So I think this was, this is a straight bizarre on so many levels, but I think it's an obvious asshole of the week, the Cleveland guardians, the baseball team. Yeah. And I'm going to just single out, I'm making Brian Barron. Leading this Ooh. fucking charge, the asshole of the week. Call him the Burger Baron. Yeah, well, definitely not the domain searching Baron. <laughs> it's not that difficult. <laughs> we no. can figure these things out. Yes. Well, you can find my uh, version of the Cleveland Guardians T-shirt. I call them. I use their font and made a garbage T-shirt. Uh, those are available at aesthetics.shop. Uh, and speaking of aesthetics, hey, Kramer, what do you think of this shirt? It's too busy. You know what you two look like? What? Dorks. <laughs> they look like a couple of dorks. I think it's the stupidest shirt I've ever seen, to be perfectly honest with you. You look like a fool. Can I say one thing to you? And I say this with an unblemished record of staunch heterosexuality. Absolutely. <laughs> it's fabulous. 
where we talk about the logos, the uniforms, the team names, all the all the the kind of branding side of baseball that I'm fascinated with as a uh, 15 years in the industry, graphic designer in the baseball industry. Um, no one else cares about this, and Pete definitely doesn't. But I love this shit. So, one major issue that came up uh, as the Braves, whenever they make it to the World Series. Uh, Native American groups uh, protest their team name, the Braves, which honestly, I find the Braves name probably the least offensive of all the the names of sports teams we've seen changed over the years. Um, you know, obviously the Redskins is the most racist team name you could you could imagine. I think the Cleveland, the aforementioned Cleveland Indians uh mainly racist because of their horribly racist caricature logo that they had for 60 plus years maybe more than that uh those are the most egregious uh examples i think the you know blackhawks is a little less egregious the hockey team in chicago um that you could say the logo is a little bit offensive maybe not um that, that's arguable i guess but just the association with uh just making a mascot out of a out of real people, real people who have been basically the victims of genocide in this country over 200 years, uh, just probably shouldn't be done. But using the term Braves in and of itself, referring to the warrior part of you know that culture, I think there's some merit in using that. Chiefs, you know, Kansas City Chiefs is kind of in that same same genre. But the issue is, like I said, to, to you know, they call it cultural appropriation to be taking things from a, a downtrodden culture that we have abused throughout our history is pretty gross and should probably just stop. And it'd be much better just to change, change the team name and avoid, avoid further, you know, it's, it's probably too strong of a word, but further per persecution uh, of these people. And if they're not happy with it, just change the fucking name. What baseball and the Braves have chosen to do, and it came up again this week by the owner's lawyer, Rob, Rob Manfred, he, ref he openly stated that the, uh, the local community in Atlanta, uh, the <laughs> local Native American community was wholly, his, his quote was wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y, <laughs> wholly supportive of the Braves name. And he cited a, a statement from the Eastern band of Cherokee Indians, which is, uh, <laughs> that is a uh, quote that has come from them for years now saying they, they like the team name and what he fails to mention, what anyone using that argument fails to mention is the Eastern Band of Cherokee Indians is a business partner of the Atlanta Braves. So, of course, they have no issue with that, uh, that team name, because if that team name went away, their business partnership would go away. What did surface uh, a day after Manfred made his disingenuous comments uh, was that the Native American or the National Congress of Native Americans said Rob Manfred's statement couldn't could not have been more false uh it couldn't be further from the truth i believe is is how they worded it that uh native americans are not in favor of this team name they do they do want it changed they do they are sick of their culture being appropriated and it needs to it needs to stop so 
it's just unbelievable. And it's, it's, that's, again, why Rob Manfred is not the commissioner. He is the owner's lawyer. He is merely arguing in, in the owner's favor. And right now, they don't see it in their business interest to change that team name as they are now the world champions. Uh, again, the, the name itself doesn't bother me, but if it bothers Native Americans, then get rid of it. But the, the, the other part of the Braves culture in general in Atlanta is the tomahawk and the tomahawk chop. And that, that's where things are very racist, including seeing our former president this week in a box in Atlanta doing the tomahawk chop in a very robotic, racist manner. Um, Shocking. Turn my, turn my stomach and many others. Uh, it's obvious that is racist. I mean, there's no there's no defending it, and there's no there's no Native American group that thinks that's a that's a great idea, a business partner or not. So, for for Manfred to come out and and you know be, he acted like he was blindsided by the question, which is ridiculous. But to have such a terrible, pathetic answer answer to that is ridiculous. But the the reason I'm making this an aesthetics segment and not making Manfred or anyone involved in asshole of the week is there is an obvious solution to this problem that I think would solve everything that involves a team name and a logo and everything and history and everything else. And this is not an original idea. This has been uh, shared across the internet a lot last week, especially as this controversy has arisen again. And the obvious name to, to change Atlanta's team name to is the hammers which I think is awesome. Atlanta hammers. It just sounds good. It's a simple name. It's not, it's certainly not the fucking Cleveland guardians. It has a, a historic basis as their most famous player. The, one of the best players in history, Hank Aaron, his nickname was the hammer. And it would be so awesome to get rid of this blight of the Braves name that is causing issues and replace it with, by honoring the best, one of the best players of all time, their best player of all time, it, it, you know, especially in a year after he just passes away, why not honor, honor his memory and honor the history of the, of that franchise by changing the team name to the Atlanta hammers. I think it's awesome. A lot. There's, there's tons of support for it on the internet. I don't, I, I'm guessing you probably don't care as much as I do about team names and logos and stuff, but Oh, I mean, I think I think if if they're going to change their name, that that's a great choice. I thought you could just swing it a different way, mm. and they could just become the Atlanta Chop. So, well, see, that doesn't that doesn't nullify the the most racist aspect of of that whole branding package, though. The the Tomahawk Chop is yeah. I'm being sarcastic. Okay, well, nice work, but, but the Chop. <laughs> I mean, it could not be. Maybe not a. Maybe it's not a tomahawk chop. Maybe it's a tomahawk ribeye as their logo. Ah, the chop, yes. a well, pork there chop. Is a, there is a minor league team called the T Bones. I believe maybe, Omaha, maybe, so. maybe people. Maybe they start serving pork chops at the stadium, and then when it when the when a different type of music plays, they take their pork chop bone up and down. I don't know. I knew you didn't like this segment, but now you're working actively against it. But so I, I appreciate I, that. But I, I did give you the kudos. I'm with you. I think. <laughs> I think Hammerin. Uh, uh, I think. I think the Hammers is is perfect. In well, fact. In fact, that is a layup. That is a gift from the baseball gods to have the ability to make such a name that I think people 
around the baseball universally like, universally love. would embrace yeah like in i don't fact, care i don't care but i like that idea thank you it's not my idea i'm taking credit for it what i will take credit for is the new atlanta hammers t-shirts that are now available oh, at geez. aesthetics.shop a-s-s-t-h-e-t-i-c-s dot shop guys all over it uh yeah i made those went up today the could you get work get working on the chop for me okay no definitely not <laughs> um uh world champion atlanta hammers as i will call them from now on uh if i can change the commissioner's title i can change atlanta's team name the atlanta hammers you can get a t-shirt we've got uh hoodies and coffee mugs available now at aesthetics.shop so that's my aesthetic segment for the week. Uh, that That is episode 87, unless you have anything else you'd like to add as we are... No. We're, uh, what are we at? An hour and a half. That's not too bad. Yeah, not too bad. No, I I got nothing. I got... Oh, I do. I, do oh, I did. I forgot. Is that really what I forgot? I wanted to close the show with this because nice. I think it deserved... I did think it deserved to come at the end. I think you're going to uh, jump on this with me, but I, I think we we just want to congratulate the LA Dodgers for <laughs> being the team who was able to win a world series when only 60 games, 60 games are playing the regular series season. Great job. Great legacy for you, Dave Roberts. Great, despite, great. Yeah. Despite having the, by far the largest payroll over the last decade, yeah. By by far, apparently the greatest farm system ever assembled. As we slow clap, about. excuse me, slow yeah. clap. This is, clap. It deserves a slow clap. Oh, what I about mean, the golf clap? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, very good, very yes. good. Yeah. So we guys, keep hearing what? about this fucking farm system, and it, it produced <laughs> one bullshit World Series championship. So the, the, the farm the farm system is like a it's like a thing they just use to trade for veteran players, and then flame do, out in the playoffs. Yeah, flame out in the playoffs. So hey, guys. You, you know, all you could, you can, this could be next year, could be your year. We could have a strike <laughs> shortened season. You guys could be right back in it. They've got it. They've got an opportunity here. You've got an opportunity. Your, your ownership is probably trying to force a shortened season so you can get back to the World Series. <laughs> That's all I wanted That's to say. That's great. Uh, yeah. The Giants fan with a jab at the end of the Dodgers. That's perfect. I love it. I'm, <laughs> I'm all for it, though. Well, with that, like I said, that's the end of episode 87. Uh, you can catch us on social media at Major League A-Holes. You can find all this, uh, all the these video sections repurposed from this podcast at MajorLeagueAholes.com. We are on YouTube as well where you can find those videos. Uh, we are at, also at Aesthetics.shop to purchase some merchandise if you'd like to support us we are of course sponsored by revolution brewing company who uh, was kind enough to supply us with more beer this past weekend as i visited chicago to <laughs> went to chicago to watch a michigan michigan state game but drank some fantastic uh anti-hero all weekend it was it was great um so i appreciate that shout out to the, those guys uh so with that i think i'm gonna declare this podcast is over Peace. Peace. Yeah! Jesus fucking Christ, it's about time. S-S-H-O-L-E, everybody, hey. S-S-H-O-L-E. Hey, 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 hey.
asshole, and I'm proud of it. Word Hole Media.